Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. If this is your first time listening, my name is Natasha Daniels, and I make podcast episodes for parents who are raising kids with anxiety or OCD. And today I'm going to be talking all about the difference between anxiety and OCD, because I've had a lot of parents be confused about that. And I've had some parents say, does it really matter? Like what we call it, we're going to treat it the same way. And it does matter um, because we aren't going to treat it the same way. And unfortunately, a lot of kids who have anxiety have undiagnosed OCD and are being treated in the wrong way. And if a child has OCD, they're almost definitely going to have anxiety and you're going to have to be able to flesh out the difference because your parenting approach is going to be slightly different or actually pretty drastically different depending on what beast you're dealing with in that moment. So I thought it would be good to maybe just do an episode purely on that. What does the difference look like and how can you detect that in your child? On a very basic level, I always say anxiety is just what ifs. It makes you worry. What if this is going to happen? What if that happens? What will happen if this happens? It's it almost predominantly starts with kind of a what if, unless you have just panic disorder and then it's just purely can be purely physiological, but it is a fear. It is a fear of something that most of the time is based in some sort of reality, not always, but most of the time anxiety is based in some sort of reality. It's a distorted reality, but it is based in some sort of reality more often than not. So I might be afraid that an asteroid's going to hit, but technically that could possibly happen. I might be afraid that I'm going to throw up every single day of my life. That's not probable, but it's possible. Um, I don't want you to gauge whether it's anxiety or OCD based on how realistic it is, but I'm just saying that is a little bit of a flavor of anxiety is it's just kind of a, what if I'm very worried now, anxiety doesn't want me to do anything with that except maybe avoid. So if I'm an anxious person, anxiety, isn't going to be like, you know what? I can make this all go away. All you have to do is tap three times. Anxiety is not bossy. It's timid and avoidant. And so anxiety will be like, just don't go. (laughs) Anxiety is like, you don't really have to go. Anxiety will help you find a reason why you don't have to go. Well, you're really tired, you know, and you really don't need to be going there. I mean, nobody's really expecting you to go. Anxiety will help you come up with lots of excuses why you should avoid. So anxiety is generally a fear or a worry um, that's based in the future normally. And the main thing that is different between anxiety and OCD is anxiety is not bossy. It's timid and avoidant. So now OCD on the contrary is super bossy. And so OCD likes to threaten and it likes to tell you what to do. And more often than not, not always, but the thoughts can be much more incongruent, not aligned with who you are as a person. So if I'm anxious and I'm worried about my safety, you know, then my anxiety is about safety and my anxiety and I, we both agree that it's really scary to go in the dark, 
with OCD, sometimes the thoughts are not aligned. And so I might have an intrusive thought that says I'm a bad person, but I know I'm a good person. So it doesn't make any sense. And actually that incongruency, that misalignment is causing most of the panic and worry because it's not who I am. But that's not the true distinction. The true distinction is that OCD is going to want me to do something about it. And it lies to me and it says, if you do this thing or avoid this thing, I'll make it all go away. Don't worry about it. And it does for a very brief period of time. And so there's much more of an OCD loop that is happening with OCD issues and anxiety. It's not really going anywhere. It's just a puddle. So OCD has direction. I'll give you some examples. So let's say I am a kid and I'm worried about my health, right? And so I am nervous and I say, oh gosh, I hope my stomach doesn't hurt today. Maybe I have a fear of throw up. And so I'm like, I hope I really don't throw up today. I'm really worried about it, but I don't do anything. Maybe I avoid school and that's about it, right? I'm just so nervous. Oh, do I have a stomach ache? Oh, what if I throw up today? So that's emetophobia. Now emetophobia can definitely turn into kind of an OCD issue, If I was just a kid who was afraid of throwing up and I didn't do anything about it, maybe I avoided going to school and I avoided the cafeteria. That's my Miss seven-year-old right now. She's in the cafeteria, but I just found out that she's not eating in the cafeteria. So this whole time I thought she was doing amazing. I thought she like completely kicked her worry clouds, butt, and she was back in the cafeteria eating. She was like a, she was like a success story. And then the other day she's like, yeah, but I eat in the, I eat in the classroom. I'm like, what? When did this happen? She's like, oh, I've been eating in the classroom for a while. That's frustrating. It just shows you that you have to keep in touch and ask questions once in a while. And she said, you know, it's, it's just better because if I do throw up, I'll throw up in front of less people. And if I throw up in the cafeteria, then I'm going to throw up in front of a whole bunch of people. So that that's anxiety. She's avoidant. She's avoiding situations where she thinks, would be more embarrassing because she has social anxiety, which is the core fear. Now that could easily turn into OCD. And that's where it gets really tricky because you can have one issue and you think, you know what it is. You're like, this is a metaphobia, fear of throwing up. She has anxiety. And then it can quickly morph into OCD and it can happen overnight. So let's now it hasn't happened for my daughter, but let's say, and it has, but it has happened for a lot of the kids I work with in my private practice. So let's say she's chugging along and she decides that she can't wear certain clothes because maybe when she wore that outfit, somebody got sick. And so all of a sudden now there's certain clothes that she can't wear. So she's doing something. So avoidance is really the only thing that kind of goes both ways with anxiety you know, anxiety wants you to avoid, but more in a timid, don't do it sort of way. And OCD is more avoidant in a very directive sort of way. Don't wear that outfit. And more often it's nonsensical, but not always. So let's say she stopped wearing certain outfits in her, in her closet. And then maybe when those outfits touch another outfit in her closet, she can't wear that one as well. And what you'll notice with OCD is that OCD tends to be contagious. So contamination spreads. So when you're seeing themes of contamination where things can't be handled or touched because they have something on them, you're definitely dealing with OCD and not anxiety. 
So I'll give you some examples because we think of contamination OCD and we think of it being germs and only germs. And that is a misnomer. That is not accurate because a child with OCD can see anything being contaminated. So if I had an intrusive thought with OCD, I don't want to be overweight. Um, and then I am obsessing about it. And sometimes parents get really upset by these themes because sometimes it might be, I don't want to get overweight. Or sometimes it might be, I don't want to be near gay people or people of different cultures. And it's really not a homophobic thing or a racist thing. It's just that OCD will pick something taboo or uncomfortable or even politically incorrect. And it will make that child feel those things. So Um, I've had kids with all those issues who are beyond open and kind and uh, welcoming to everybody, but OCD doesn't care. OCD will take something that's going to make it awkward. So let's say I have a kid who has this intrusive thought about, oh gosh, I can't be overweight and not like eating disorder issue, but more like I can't be around what they might call fat people. That's upsetting. And so whenever they see someone who's overweight, or maybe they see the F word and not the F word you're thinking about, but the F word meaning fat, they might have to do something. Maybe they have to cover their eyes. So they believe that if they see the word fat, that they can become fat. Or if they see a person who is overweight, they might think that they will actually become that person. They will get contaminated. So I've had kids where if somebody overweight touches one of their belongings, like touches their purse or touches their backpack, that backpack can't be touched anymore because it's contaminated with whatever that person is. And I've had kids who have moral OCD have, you know, there's kids that are like quote unquote bad kids in their school. And if that bad kid touched their pencil or their paper or their backpack, that backpack can't be touched anymore because it will turn them in to a bad person. So whenever you see any kind of contagious kind of things where kids can't touch stuff, or if one thing touches another thing, then that thing can't be touched. You're definitely in the world of OCD and not anxiety. Now it's tricky because there's a lot of OCD compulsions that are mental or are reassurance seeking. And so they don't look like your classic compulsion because basically in a nutshell, anxiety is more of a, what if I might want to avoid something, but it's just a, what if an OCD is an intrusive thought image, even song and the compulsion to do something to get brief relief. And people get stuck on a couple of different OCD themes. They get stuck on um, the intrusive thought of, I am uncomfortable. And so I might be uncomfortable for the rest of my life. I have this image in my head. And if I don't get rid of it, I'm going to have this image in, in my head for the rest of my life. And I'm going to be uncomfortable. Or I have a song in my head and I have to get it out because if I don't, it's going to be in my head forever. And I'm going to be uncomfortable. Those tend to get missed a lot as OCD because there doesn't seem to be an overt compulsion, but there is because there's active mental compulsions to try to get it out of their head. Let me try not to think about this. Let me try not to think about this. The more you try not to think about something, the more you think about it, right? Um, Some kids who have moral OCD or have other OCD themes that are related to safety, they might ask you a lot mom, is this good to eat? Mom, is this safe to eat? I touched the Clorox wipe and then I touched my lips. Am I going to be okay? Or is that poisonous? When you start seeing a lot of questions like that, then you really want to observe more if your child's not been diagnosed already with OCD, 
because anxious kids will ask things too. So you can have an anxious kid who's worried about getting sick and they might ask you, are you sick or how are you feeling? They might check on everyone, make sure everyone's feeling safe and not sick. But when it turns into really hardcore OCD, they're going to ask you a lot of nonsensical things and you want to observe that. So they might ask you about things that seem like innocuous, like I touched that plant and then I, I ate something. Is that plant poisonous? And so initially parents don't recognize that this is OCD. And so they move into reassurance like, oh yeah, that's a house plant. Don't worry about it. And it's not until they start noticing these questions happening more and more often that they wonder, is there something else going on than just anxiety? So when your child is asking you a lot of questions and it's maybe anxiety related and they don't seem satiated or satisfied with your answer because OCD will never, ever be satisfied because it really isn't waiting for you to answer. I know that sounds really weird, but it really, it just wants you to complete the OCD loop. And so you'll answer. And then a few minutes later, the doubt comes back because OCD has a lot more doubt than anxiety. Anxiety is like, oh my gosh, what if, you know, and it's like doom and gloom. Like the worst case scenario is always what could possibly happen where OCD is often about doubt and uncertainty. And even if it's just about discomfort, I don't know if I'm going to feel uncomfortable for the rest of my life or disgust. That's another one that gets missed a lot. You know, I can't eat this because I just have this feeling of disgust. And so I'm going to avoid all this food or I can't touch these things because it makes me feel disgusted and I can't live with the feeling of disgust for the rest of my life. So I'm going to avoid. So those get missed a lot because avoidance for OCD is a huge compulsion. And a lot of times people don't realize that kids are starting to avoid a lot of different things. They avoid touching things. They avoid looking at things. They avoid doing things and that those are very big compulsions. Now, the way that you can tell whether it's anxiety or OCD is with OCD, they're very regimented. They're very rigid. So if you said to a child, you know, touch that, there'd be pure panic. Um, With anxiety, a kid might just be like, I don't really want to. But with OCD, OCD has very distinct rules. And if you break those rules, OCD will make you pay. And it will make you pay with pure panic and fear. So your child will have a big reaction. So if you're, if you're noticing that they ask you a lot of questions and no matter how you answer, they continue to ask you the same questions, or maybe they even ask you in a different way, but it's the same exact question. You might want to talk to your therapist about diving into OCD because it's probably more of an OCD thing than an anxiety thing. Now, anxious kids will ask a lot of questions too, And that's kind of where it gets tricky because they will want a lot of reassurance, but it's more of a conversation. For example, um, if I talk to my Miss Seven and I say, well, what's the worst part about throwing up, right? She'll say, well, I don't want to throw up in front of all the kids. And then I'll say, well, what do you think will happen if you throw up in front of all the kids? She'll say, well, they're going to make fun of me. You know, they're not going to like me. So we're having a conversation about it and we're problem solving and I'm trying to reframe her thinking. Now, if it was OCD and I had a child who I said, well, what's the worst thing that will happen if you wear that outfit, you know, that outfit that you wore that day that that girl got sick, it's a new day, right? They'll say, I know that if I wear this outfit, it doesn't mean that another girl's going to get sick. I know that doesn't make any sense, but I'm just so afraid. I just still feel really fearful to wear it. So when you talk to a kid who has OCD, 
most of the time, if they're older, depending on their cognitive functioning, they get that their behavior might not make sense. When I talk to kids who have like magical thinking with OCD and I'll say, you know, tapping your light three times before you leave the house is not keeping your family safe. Like that's just an OCD lie. They'll say to me, of course I know that, right? But I still feel like I have to do it just in case. So when you're talking about OCD, it's irrational a lot of the time. I mean, it's rational in the sense that, of course, if I had a thought in my head that said, I had to keep my family alive by tapping three times. And if I didn't, they were all going to die. Of course I would want to do it. Right. But it's, it's an irrational thought. It doesn't make sense. So I could sit there and talk to my child until I'm blue in the face about, you know, the tapping, it's not really keeping your family alive. Right. You get that. And you're just tapping a piece of plastic, but nothing really magical is happening to protect them. I'm wasting my time because I'm trying to talk to OCD and OCD doesn't really like to talk. OCD just likes to bully. So that's where the parenting difference comes is in how you're going to handle your child's feelings and behavior. Because if I have a child who has anxiety and let's say they're socially anxious and they're worried about going to school and we'll just keep using the same example as throw up, right? They're really worried they're going to throw up. I'm going to really want to dive deep Um, And I do with my child about what's the worst that will happen. Okay. So you'll throw up. Do you know anybody else who's thrown up at school? Yeah. So-and-so did. Did everybody hate them and they never had any friends again? No, they still have friends. So the worst that can happen is you can have just a rough day and then everybody will be friends with you. Yep. That's how I want to handle anxiety. I want to problem solve it. If you've ever taken my anxiety class, my online anxiety class, I do talk about red thoughts and green thoughts. I touched on that in my webinar. If you saw my webinar recently, that was available. And I want to teach them to problem solve. I want to teach them how to get out of their head um, and fight back. Think about the thoughts in a different way and then refocus. Now, if it's OCD, I'm not going to be doing that because it's like trying to rationalize with a two-year-old. I wouldn't sit there and talk to a two-year-old who's like freaking out in Walmart because they want a lollipop and say, you know, just the sugar level is really not going to work with your body chemistry. And you already had some sugar today. And so, you know, it's just not going to be a good thing. I'm not going to do that with a two-year-old. I'm just going to say, no, I'm sorry, but no means no. You already had one, you know, let's focus on Barney. Does Barney even exist anymore? (laughs) That might be dating myself, but I would just redirect, right? So with OCD, we we're going to respond in a different way. And it depends on how far along you are with your child, because you can't just pull back reassurance and behaviors that you've been doing for years. And so I always like to warn parents when they, when they listen to me and they hear me talking about reassurance and pulling back on the reassurance, this doesn't happen overnight. You partner with your child, you teach your child what OCD is. And I went through this in my recent OCD webinar. I'm sorry, they're over, but hopefully maybe some of you caught it. And I go through this in depth in my OCD online class as well. So I talk about educating your child is number one important because you want your child to understand how OCD works on a very deep level. And then you're going to say, when I give you reassurance, I'm actually giving your OCD a high five. And that's not good. Like that's not good for you. And I love you. And I don't want to grow your OCD. 
And depending on how old they are, I talk about neural pathways and we're making a highway in your head and we don't want a highway. We want to break down the highway and make it into a dirt path. And eventually we want it to not even be a road or a path. But for little kids, I don't really get into that. I just talk about Mr. Bossy. We don't want to listen to Mr. Bossy. He tells us what to do. And the more we listen to him, the louder he gets, the bigger he gets. So from now on, when you ask me if you were a bad person, because two years ago you called someone fat, I'm not going to answer Mr. Bossy. And I might say something like, I'm sorry, Mr. Bossy is bothering you right now. Or tell Mr. Bossy to leave you alone. And I, I have episodes that go way into detail about how to handle reassurance and how to handle all this. And definitely my online class goes into this in depth as well. But I just wanted to, that's not really the topic for today, but I want to give you an example of why it's so important, whether your child's currently having an anxiety or OCD issue, because my Mr. Nine, he has both, right? So he has OCD issues around intrusive thoughts that his food is disgusting and that can get so bad that he won't eat and he can like literally starve to death. And he also has generalized anxiety. He worries a lot about safety. That's one of his main themes. He worries about, he has an OCD thought that things get stuck in his head. So that's another OCD one, but his OCD right now is pretty much in check minus sometimes I see him doing some OCD behaviors and we address it, but he's afraid of the dark. He's afraid to go upstairs. He gets very worried about getting hurt, getting um, stung by a bee. And so he has a lot of anxiety issues right now. And so with his anxiety, I will explore that. I will like, if he's afraid of the dark, I will say, what do, what do you think? What's the worst thing that can happen? And we'll talk about it. And he'll say, you know, this might happen or that might happen. And then I'll say, what can you do about that? And then he'll tell me and we'll walk through it. But when he has an OCD thought, like recently he was um, crouching on his stool and it was because his OCD, one of his core fears is disgust. And so he thought the stool was disgusting, even though there was nothing on it. And so I wasn't going to process that with him. I wasn't going to sit there and say to him, you know, the stool is super clean. Like, look at your stool. Like there's nothing on it. No, I cleaned it. And then a few days later, I watched while he still crouched over the stool and I knew that it was technically clean. And so I walked by and I just said, it seems like Squishy's bothering you. How about we sit on your butt? (laughs) You know? And he said, no, I don't want to. It's disgusting. And I'll say, well, take a challenge. And then he did. But if it was anxiety, I would have gone into it. You know, what's the worst part about sitting on this stool? What's the worst part about sitting on this disgusting little piece of nothingness that doesn't really exist? I wouldn't do that with OCD. I would just say, that sounds like a squishy thing. How about you sit on your bottom? So unfortunately, when you have a child with OCD, you have to get pretty good and pretty skilled at being able to tell the difference. Because if I sat there and processed that with him, I'm really feeding the OCD. So I don't want to do that. But if it's anxiety, I really want to give him the tools to problem solve. So you do approach those things in very different ways. However, you will do exposures and challenges in a very similar way. So I had him sit on his bottom for OCD, and that was an exposure. But when he's afraid to go in the dark, I'll say, do you want to take a challenge? And he'll say, okay, sometimes. And then I'll say, okay, you can earn some Robux if you just go go um, upstairs, get your shoes and come back down. And he'll want to run. And I'll say, don't run for your squishy, right? Squishy wants you to run. So you need to walk You're, you know, what do you need to tell yourself? And then I'll coach the green thoughts. I'm safe in this house. There's nothing near me. So I'm coaching the green thoughts while he's doing the challenge. 
But it's similar to him sitting on the stool, except I'm not coaching him through that. I'm not saying, see, you're okay. There's no sticky things on there. You were just, your OCD was lying to you. I'm not doing any of that. I'm just saying, sit there, right? We're just being squishy. So there's less processing with OCD. So I hope that made it clearer. I know that seems a little convoluted. Definitely, if you have a child with anxiety, my anxiety class will walk you through that. And I always tell people, if they have a child with anxiety and OCD, and they're like, which one do I tackle first? I always say tackle OCD, even if OCD is smaller and less of a big deal in your child than their anxiety, because OCD is the bigger, better cousin, as I always say, and we want to tackle that one first, no matter what. So if you are interested in taking my online classes, you can actually take my classes for free. I have tons of AT community parents taking my classes for free. My AT parenting community opened up this past week. It's been amazing. Um, There are over 140 amazing parents in there already. And we just opened up last week and everyone's connecting and getting to know each other. And I already had my first group coaching call and I've had two Facebook live classes already in our private Facebook group. So I'm really enjoying getting to know everyone. And as a member, you get access to one of my classes for free. And my classes are normally $127. So definitely a great perk of being a member, but that is just the beginning of all the perks. So if you are not in there already, join us at atparentingcommunity.com. And if you're enjoying my podcast, don't forget to hit a star and rate the show. I really appreciate that feedback. There are stars under the podcast name on iTunes. Just hit a star and that's how you give back. If you're really enjoying the show and you want to leave a comment, I greatly appreciate that. And it helps other parents know that there's some value in the show. So I hope you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I will talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. When I first discovered Natasha, I was in a desperate place with my son and his anxiety was getting worse and we had tried counseling and it was not going well. Natasha gave us practical tools. She wasn't like the books that we had read that were, you know, you have three kids, but somehow you can magically spend 10 hours a day on your one anxious kid and just, you know, life is great for the other two. She's helped me understand OCD on a level that no therapist I have come across seems to understand. Natasha had practical real-life advice that we started implementing the day that we listened to them. Not only did it help with our son's anxiety, it helped my husband and I to recognize um, the anxiety that we had in our parenting that was actually contributing to our children's anxiety. Her tools are, I mean, life-changing. She has been amazing, and I'm so thankful for the work that she provides to all of us who have children um, who battle anxiety and OCD. It is so exciting to see him about a year later just thriving in school. She really has guided us the whole way, and without her, our lives would be very different. Very grateful. My husband and I are forever grateful to Natasha Daniels for helping us to figure out where to even start with anxiety. If you have a child with anxiety or OCD, she is your go-to woman. Parenting a child with anxiety is not easy, and sometimes it feels hopeless. And um, in a desperate time in my journey with my son, 
I started searching the internet and found Natasha Daniels. She has been a lifesaver. Her resources have given me hope. They've given me tools and support, and I I highly recommend her and her resources. They are phenomenal, and they are some of the best resources you can find out there for anxiety and OCD. Hi, my name is Natasha Daniels, and I understand what it's like to raise kids with anxiety and OCD. I'm doing it every single day. And I also know what it feels like to empower them, to give them the skills and tools to help themselves, to watch them blossom, face their fears, and become more than their anxiety and more than their OCD. And I want to do that for you as well. Join me in the AT Parenting Community, where I partner with you and walk alongside you in your journey, helping you getting to know your family and your child's particular needs and particular struggles. I'll help guide you and walk you through ways to empower your own kids and see success in your house. You will finally have someone in your corner who not only has the understanding of your struggle, but has the expertise and knowledge to help get you through it. You can find out more about the AT Parenting Community at atparentingcommunity.com or you can text all one word AT Parenting Community to 44222. Together we can do this. She's really good and I hope I'll be like her. I have had OCD for over five years. I have trained my brain and you can do the same thing.